This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Austin Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show today. This Tuesday edition of the show. And it's our first time to really dive into this weekend's matchup. Oregon at Arizona. Uh, game is on the Pac-12 Network. 6 p.m. start. Ted Robinson, Yogi Roth will be on the call. Uh, Oregon's 4-1. 12th in the country. 2-0 in the Pac-12. Arizona has improved from last season. They're 3-2. They've won a game already in conference play, um, albeit it was against Colorado. Uh, but nonetheless, this is an intriguing matchup and one in which um, we've learned a little bit about Oregon. And from a health standpoint, not a lot to update here, Eric, but there is a significant player to provide some context on. Injury report's real simple. It's real quick. Justin Flo didn't play against Stanford. Dan Lanning said, on Monday, he's trending in the right direction, and that's the injury report. Nobody else, nobody else missed practice, and, and honestly, frankly, nobody of import is like even considered. I guess in that conversation, there's the Byron Cardwell thing, but I just assume at this point that he'll dress and then not play because that's what's happened for about a month now. I, I, I don't even I don't even want to go into more than that. That's just that's where we're yeah. at. Um, this matchup. We were talking about it before we started recording. Um, Jerry mentioned he was looking it up and noticed it too. This game doesn't happen very often in Tucson. It's been a while. And yet the most recent memory is Oregon getting whopped uh, by 29, 44 to 15 in 2018. The Ducks were 19th in the country. This was coming off of a big, big win or a big, big loss, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, up at Washington State. And this was kind of the first, I, I think, real concern about, I don't know if concern, but discussion about Mario Cristobal's in-game coaching or, you know, overall big thinking. Um, curious to see how Oregon responds going down there, different staff, obviously, different environment. Bo Nix talked about it. He was asked about it. Like, no one on his team's played down there. But this is a place that's just kind of given Oregon sometimes some fits, sometimes not. Yeah, no, it's, it is interesting. You look at kind of the series history here. The last two times Oregon's played down there, they've got, as you put it, whopped. I like that term. Um, because they didn't play. So 2018, they lost 44 to 15. They didn't play in 17, 16, or 15, or 14 in Tucson. And prior to that is 2013. And they also got whopped 42 to 16. The last time they've won in Tucson was 2011 when they won 56 to 31. But again, over the last 11 years, this is like 
the fourth time we'll have played down there. So there haven't been a lot of instances. I, I think Arizona is much improved. I was just doing the um, top recruits story that I do every week, and I've been doing this for a couple of seasons now, and I was looking back at last year's roster, and um, there are two guys on the on the roster right now that were in the top 10 a year ago, and those guys were both in the top three of last year's team, and now they're both, I think they're like six and 10, or six and nine. They're down the list. Arizona has really reset the roster from a recruiting perspective. I believe half of the top 10 are true freshmen, including former Oregon commit Tedaroa McMillan, who I'm sure we'll talk about later when we talk about the receiving core for the Wildcats. And they hit the portal really hard. And a bunch of their mm -hmm. top players are also portal guys. Their quarterback's a portal guy. Uh, their top defensive player, Hunter Eccles, is a portal guy um, from USC. So it's a, it's, a different, it's a different team than the one a year ago that was really, really bad. I don't think this is – I'm not going to sit here and say this is an incredible team because I think it's still like – Right. was it 10th, 9th in the team composite in the Pac-12, Jared? What was it, 11th, somewhere in there? Ooh, I don't remember what Arizona's was. I remember what Colorado's was because that was that was our sole purpose of the talent yeah. composite for the Pac-12. But I think it's like middle of the pack. I'll, I can look it up. I'll give it to you for a second. I, I think I think it's ninth. It's ninth or 10th is my record. They're ninth in the conference and – Team There's over a 220 point difference between Oregon and Arizona. Right. So it'd be, it would be misleading to say that like these are evenly matched teams, but Arizona is closing a gap on most of the conference because last year's roster was pretty dreadful. Um, there is some four star talent on this year's team. Last year's team had like no four star players basically. This year, I think they have 11, um, including like five guys that are in their most recent recruiting class. So they, they are reloading to a certain degree. And to the original point, um, it's been tough to play in Tucson for a lot of teams. And for whatever reason, Oregon's really had a hard time the last two times. But I don't know if that has almost any bearing on this team because it's not like this is a situation where you're like, oh, yeah, remember that, that 2021 meeting down there or that 2020 right. or even that 2019? It's been four years. The roster's totally changed right. for both teams. There's not much you can take from it other than to say Oregon and Tucson haven't always mixed very well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's about it. I mean, this is a completely different staff. There's very few people who are even on the staff in 2018 who are still on the still with the program right now. Yeah, almost um, nobody. Almost nobody. But I don't even maybe Shad Williams, the, the strength coach, potentially. But that's the yeah. only guy that immediately came to my my head about this. But overall, just what Eric was saying, this is a very much improved Arizona team. Um, mind you, that their team last year, which I think we would all agree, kind of stunk. Um, yeah. held with Oregon at, at home at Autzen. And that was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, I want to say, or at least deep into the second half for sure. Um, but again, this is a completely different Oregon team. This is much different than it was last year and how they play. Um, and if, if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you'll remember that I was very high on Arizona this season. I had them projection going six and six, and my projections already stink um, with, with a lot of issues. But it's a good team. I think Jaden Delara is, is a good quarterback when he's on um, during wins, especially Eric. We talked about this at Starbucks today post uh, practice this morning, but you know, his touchdown interception ratio one in wins is 11 to one and losses. It's I think it's like five to three or something like that. It's the inverse. It's, it's three to five. It's, it's really bad. Three to yeah. five. And so like, this is a talented quarterback. I mean, we saw Oregon go against him when he played at Washington state and while he wasn't successful in terms of victories, he still had some moments where 
you know, you saw the potential there. And Jed Fish is an excellent offensive mind. Um, and we'll, we'll get to this in a, in a bit, but the strengths of Arizona seem to be the on offense seem to be the weaknesses of what Oregon can do on defense. And I just, you know, like I don't, we'll get to our predictions of the game later in the week and, you know, spoiler alert, I still am projecting Oregon to win, but I think this is a team that is really underrated in the PAC 12. Um, they just are kind of like a, a pesky, almost like how Washington state has been the last couple of years, just somebody who's going to score points and you're going to need to score points with them and pass them in order to win. Um, still a young team, like Eric mentioned, a lot of their top tier talent is, is younger guys. They hit the transfer portal hard for pack or for power five players, not just guys from the junior college or, or some lower level school. Um, I think things are on the up and up for Arizona, which is a nice thing to see for the pack 12 in total. But uh, I think this is going to be a, a relatively competitive game, especially down in, the, down in the desert, which Oregon hasn't done well in Tucson or Tempe recently. Uh, Jed Fish's improvements for year one, they were ninth in the conference in yards per game offensively at 354. And then this season through five games, that number has skyrocketed to 476 yards of total offense. And they're fifth in league player in, in the conference right now in total offense. Mm-hmm. That speaks to, I think, the, the, the coaching that he has, the scheme that, that, that they're running. And they, like you guys said, they hit the portal hard. And they've added a lot of guys on the offensive side of the football that have helped. Uh, obviously, you guys brought up Jalen Delora um, at quarterback from Washington State. And probably uh, what's helped just as much is at receiver. They are loaded. Um, Jacob Cohen was a guy Oregon really wanted from UTEP. He leads the league in receptions at 40. Um, I think he leads the league in receiving yards at 566. I think he leads the league in touchdown receptions at seven. He leads uh, him then, all. He's, a, he's a leader in all yeah. of them. Yeah. And, and, and then right behind him is Dorian Singer, and he's second in the conference in receptions. He's up there in yards. He's, he's only got one touchdown. Um, but their talent at receiver is pretty darn good, so much so we haven't even talked about uh, McMillan yet Oregon's former Oregon commit receiver, big time playmaker. And I, I think everyone kind of viewed him as he'd, he'd step into to campus and maybe instantly become the guy just because of how talented he is. And he plays a lot. He's an important player. He, he won, I think freshman of the week this, this past week for the conference, but it's not just him and a bunch of scrubs and so much so that Dan Lanning's calling this receiving core uh, the best they've faced so far to date in in the season, which is pretty high praise. Yeah, can I read the quote from just Dan about the pass attack in general? Um, yeah. I think this is maybe the most talented team we've played so far at wideout. They have really, really talented wideouts, but I think their quarterback really can play as well. He throws lasers, he throws the ball on rhythm, on a dart, and he doesn't need big windows to be able to attack. They only maybe hurt themselves a couple of times, to be honest. They have, they've done a really good job. They get the ball downfield. They take long shots. So this will be a really good challenge. And to, I think the point, as we're kind of turning over the, the topic here that Jared made a moment ago of, you know, I think for both offenses, their strengths face kind of the opposing team's big weakness. Because mm-hmm. for Oregon, you know, they've been able to throw the football. But you can tell when they're at their best, 
they're establishing it with the run. And that's what happened this last week when they ran for 350 yards. And this is an Arizona defense that is pretty dreadful against the run. 11th in the conference, gave up 384 yards to Cal a couple of weeks ago. And this is an Oregon defense against the pass, which has struggled. Um, you know, it's kind of funny also because I was just talking before the podcast. Pro Football Focus would would disagree because they have the five most the five top graded players on defense all in the defensive backfield. Um, so from an individual perspective, maybe you'd argue, hey, actually, you're playing pretty well there. And I do think there have been really nice moments. I still think Christian Gonzalez is is one of the best corners in the conference. I think Triquez has played better recently. Like mm-hmm. those first especially Georgia and BYU, and even a little bit against Eastern, there were a couple of moments here. It's kind of like, oh, that's not great. And I can't think of too many really ugly Triquez moments recently. I, that's a really encouraging sign going into this one. Like, you know, part of it might be matchup related. I mean, Arizona's talent at receiver is very different than Stanford's talent at receiver, I think is, a, is an important yeah. indicator. McMillan is kind of that same kind of big body outside guy, but Cowing is, I think, like six feet, 200 pounds and uh, singer is like 6'1, 195 pounds. These are more, um, you know, a little bit more of that kind of quick, agile, smaller body type guys. Um, singer maybe is a little Dylan Mitchell to a certain degree as a comp. Um, but regardless, like these are these are talented guys that fit the body type and the skill set, at least, of the kind of guys that gave Oregon trouble in Pullman, that gave Oregon uh, trouble, obviously, in Atlanta. So for, for this secondary, I think it's a really good challenge to kind of see if they've improved because I, I thought they played their best game of the season last week against Stanford. T- the, the Cardinal really didn't do much of anything throwing the football, I think, but he had 160 yards passing, and 78 of that came on like two throws, one of which was a screen where there was a good, there was a big run that a couple tackles maybe could, were missed. And then I don't, you just kind of, there was a, the, a tip of the cap throw that McKee made to Higgins for the second touchdown where it's just like, pretty well covered and he just put it in a really great spot. So I think Oregon secondary has played pretty well recently, but this is going to be a big challenge. And uh, Dolores hot right now, <laughs> last two games over 400 right. yards passing and he had six touchdowns and almost 500 yards against Colorado. And I will, but I will also say it's hard to, I think Colorado is really hard to measure much of yeah. anything against. It's a bit, a bit different there. They're bad. <laughs> they're bad. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're not great. Um, but like Eric just just broke down, this is going to be the biggest matchup for Oregon secondary since Washington State, and then I guess before that, obviously against Georgia. Um, it'll look, I think, the offense will look a lot more similar to how Washington State performed with a lot of, a lot of counters, a lot of quick screens, a lot of just trying to get their guys in open space. Um, that's how Arizona operated last year when they didn't have the the, the personnel to do it, um, and that's why they struggled a lot in terms of total yards per game, like Matt mentioned earlier. This year they have the personnel, they have the quarterback, they have the wide receivers. Their offensive line isn't isn't great, I would say. I think it's it's an average offensive line. I think this will, frankly, it'll come but come down to, you know, how how much pressure can Oregon apply with just four guys rushing? Because, you know, I, I would anticipate that they'll blitz because that's just what Tosh Lupo and Dan Lanning will end up doing. But I don't think they'll be blitzing too often. I think they're going to you know figure out that they need you know, to drop eight or nine guys in the coverage at all times because there's going to be a lot of routes run for this Arizona team. Um, they don't they don't run the ball as often as as one might think. Um, this year, total in yards per game, they only average 136, which is eighth in the conference. Um, it's just not a focal point when they're averaging 
340 yards, I think it is, in, in passing per game, which is second in the conference behind Washington. Um, this is a pass heavy, and, and like Eric said, you know, Dolores has been really good these last two weeks and was really good this past week against Colorado and blah, 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 blah. Colorado stinks. So this will be for, for Oregon's defense. Obviously, the, the, the quarterbacks and the safeties and the middle linebackers who go out into coverage need to do their job. But having DJ Johnson and Brandon Doris and Casey Rogers kind of find their groove in these last two and a half weeks uh, has, has been a major importance. They had you know, Dorless, I think, you know, didn't have any sacks against Washington State, but had eight or nine QB hurries and pressures, which is really impressive. DJ Johnson had two sacks in that game. Then you flash forward to this past week against Stanford. Dorless had two sacks, and Casey Rogers was in there on a couple of them. So it was Jordan Riley. He had a good game. That's going to be monumental. It's going to be very important that Oregon gets four guys to be a consistent pass rush and flush Delora out of the pocket, which might lead to some errant throws, might lead to some turnovers, which is what Oregon is going to be hoping for in this game. Let's take a break here for a second. Then we come back, we'll talk maybe a little about Oregon's strengths in this matchup and then also talk about quarterbacks just in general because I posed this question and there wasn't like an immediate yes, but there also wasn't an immediate no either when I posed the question. So a little tease there. When we come back, we'll discuss things with this matchup. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Um, I asked, is this quarterback two, quarterback three in the conference? I, I said Caleb Williams was the top quarterback in the league. Um, Jaden DeLora and Bo Nix, are they the top two or three guys in the conference? And I don't know if it's a yes, but I also don't know if it's a no. The, the league is just pretty darn good. And I think we're going to get a, a really good showing of two quarterbacks that could put up some wonky stats Saturday night because of the teams that they're playing or the, the defenses that they're facing. So the, I was just looking at this. The Pac-12 has four quarterbacks that are in the top 25 nationally in quarterback rating, and neither of them are playing in this game this weekend. <laughs> it's just, it's a really, the league looks good. I mean, Dory Thompson-Robinson is uh, right in the top 10 there, 12th actually nationally in quarterback rating. Not far behind, you've got um, three guys that have had really strong starts to the season, and, and Michael Penix Jr., who leads the country in passing yards. Cam Rising is right after that, and then uh, Caleb Williams is 25th nationally. Nix is 36th, and Delora is 6th in the conference, and you have to go a ways down because he has thrown six interceptions. But, like, 
it's a really talented group because we just ran through six names and we haven't talked about Cam Ward, who I think Jared was like, he should be in the conversation. And I think you probably feel that way in large part because of some of the incredible plays we witnessed firsthand in Pullman. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that guy is super gifted in terms of moving around and, and making plays happen. Shoot, he's he's eighth in quarterback rating. He's completing almost 70% of his passes this season with 13 touchdowns and averaging almost 300 yards per game. I mean, that speaks to the talent there. And then I know McKee has kind of been dealt a tough hand on that Stanford team just because that's not a very talented offense. He's probably not in my top six right now, but that speaks to the talent because I think that's an NFL guy. Um, so there aren't many bad quarterbacks in this conference, like period, end of story. And I think that's what makes this kind of a different season potentially for the conference because I was going back and looking at a year ago and kind of the leaders in uh, quarterback rating last season and basically a lot of these guys not around anymore. And, uh, you know, it's just like a lot of things have turned over. Like Dorian Thompson Robinson also led the conference in quarterback rating last year. Um, but Cam Rising, who was the first team all-conference quarterback, was third. Delora was fourth at Washington State. Anthony Brown was actually fifth. McKee was sixth. Then you go down, you've got Jaden Daniels, Chase Garbers, Keaton Slovis, Dylan Morris, Brendan Lewis, Will Plummer. None of those guys yeah. are... None of those guys are even <laughs> in the conference anymore. Um, no. Dylan Morris is. He's just behind uh, a couple of guys, I think, up in Seattle. So I, I think there is a huge improvement this year in the conference at that position. And there's a reason right now that there are, what, five teams lingering in that top 26. I think Washington State's the last team outside the poll yeah. uh, last, that last I looked at. So there are basically five pseudo top 25 teams in the conference right now, according to the polls. And all those teams have good quarterbacks. And uh, that's a far cry from last year when basically no, it didn't. there were not very many teams that were really even considered there. It was kind of like Utah and Oregon and then a huge gulf. And UCLA had some moments where they were up there early because they upset LSU. And, you know, I think maybe there was some early USC buzz before that whole season fell apart. But it just feels like this year the conference is a lot healthier at quarterback. And I agree with Matt of like, the stats maybe suggest that Knicks and Delore are fifth and sixth in quarterback rating. We should note Delore is second in um, yards and third in – second, sorry, in touchdowns thrown this year. So he has put up some big numbers, a lot more pass attempts than a lot of the – he actually leads the conference. He's also – uh, let's cut you off. He's also fifth in the country in passing yards. Right. Penix is number one in the country. So Yeah. I think you know the stats don't suggest from a rating perspective, but I think you can make an argument. These are two really, really good quarterbacks, and I think the thing that makes this fun is these are two guys that can make a lot of things happen. Um, these are these are players that can really create off of broken plays and off of scrambles. And Oregon fans have seen Knicks do it, and Oregon fans have seen Delora do it. Frankly, the last two years yep. um, when he was at Washington State, Oregon won both those games. But I was looking at his passing stats in those games, averaging about 300 yards, had about three touchdowns per game. Um, has performed pretty well in the losses. So this is a guy who poses a lot of problems. He's mobile. He, as as Lanning says, he's got a strong arm, throws lasers, was his quote. I, I just think this is a, a really compelling quarterback matchup, and it's possible we get a real kind of, you know, high-scoring offensive game down in, in the desert and a couple of gunslingers at the helm. So I, I think I'll answer the, the, the question of, if these guys are two and three in the conference and no, I don't think so. However, I do think that both of these guys can play to that level any given Saturday. Right. And I just think that, like, like Eric just 
just broke down and went through the whole conference, not well, not the whole conference, but a lot of the conference teams have, have some good quarterbacks at their helm. Um, I still think Caleb Williams, and honestly, I think Cam Ward is going to get to that point, of, or, or uh, Cam and Rising as well. They're going to get to that two and three spot. Um, by the end of the season, I still think Caleb Williams is the most naturally talented quarterback in the Pac-12. But both of these guys can elevate their game with, you know, if, if they play poor defenses, um, they'll take advantage. They'll put up stats that you, you, you'd see on a paper and think, wow, that could be the best stat line they've seen this week. And then they look at Nix's or they look at Dolores and they see their stat line. Um, this, this definitely will be a high scoring game. The over under is set at least right now at 69 and a half. And I, I could see this one going over pretty, pretty easily. Cause I think both these offenses are extremely high powered and, you know, what we were talking about earlier in the sense that both of the offense's strengths are the defense's weaknesses. Um, I think a lot of points are going to be put on the board here this weekend. And I think overall the, the conference to go back to the conference quarterback talk that we started um, overall, it's just so much better for the PAC 12 that they actually have some competent quarterbacks this year, because that's exactly what they were missing. There are no, or last season, there were no real potential high draft picks or something like that, but, Cam Ward and Caleb Williams in two years could be two guys who are considered as first round talents as long as they continue to develop and they can continue to showcase what they can do this season. Jaden Delar, I don't know about, but Bo Nix is probably a guy who's going to be drafted at one point. Um, this is, it's, it's extremely important for the conference that they're able to showcase that they can still score, they can still play defense, that they can still you know, produce legitimate talent and have five teams in the top 26, like Eric mentioned earlier. It's actually six because there's USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and then mm -hmm. Washington State is just almost – Oh, you're right about the is, six. Is ranked. Um, and to, to Eric's point about just the improvement of play at quarterback, quarterback rating, the league didn't have a single quarterback in the top – 25 at QBR rating nationally. Yeah. This year they have four. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, to not even have one is astronomically bad. Uh, but it's improved. Um, it's going up. And it, there's no truck stops in the Pac 12, as our good friend uh, Bill Walton would say uh, when, when you play in the conference. Um, all right. Let's end it with this. The, we talked about the strengths of Washington, or Washington, of, of Arizona and quarterback play and receiver. Um, there are some glaring holes, though, with this Arizona team, and it's defensively. Uh, it would be a massive shock to me if they show up today or show up on Saturday and, and play Oregon stout up front along the defensive line. Um, they might be one of the worst teams against the run that we've seen in a while. And the only reason that they're not the worst it's because Colorado's really stinking bad. I mean, like Colorado might be the worst, might be the worst power five team we've seen uh, in, in years. Um, but Arizona through five games has already given up over a thousand yards rushing. Um, Oregon on the flip side, 473. Now they've played some opponents who didn't try to run the ball a lot. I think that matters here a little bit, but Teams can just do whatever they want on the ground against Arizona. And the Wildcat defense is 10th in the conference in yards per play, which is, I think, the best stat to look at, just how they're performing. Over six yards per play. Um, 
this should be a game much like we saw last week where Oregon should control the trenches and really do whatever they want through the ground, which could lead them to how they win this football game. It's, you know, it's kind of funny, actually, I hadn't done this until now of looking at the splits by a game per game basis for Arizona. There are a couple games that have been decent. And then you've got two really bad performances. Like Mississippi State ran for 106 yards against Arizona. That's an SEC team that but, is pretty decent. But that's a that's an air raid. That's Mike Leach. Sure, but they they also ran it 24 times, right? So that's yeah. about four yards per carry. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just I'm trying to put a little bit of like context behind this because San Diego State ran it 42 times for 170 yards, about four yards per carry. Colorado ran it 31 times for 154 yards, about five yards per carry. But here's where it becomes problematic was North Dakota State, 45 rush attempts, 283 yards. That's an FCS opponent. It's the best FCS opponent. It's like the blue ball. That's the Alabama of FCS schools. And then California in a couple weeks ago. And this is where it gets skewed and you kind of go, Boy, if Oregon can replicate this, this could get ugly because Cal ran, Cal ran it 38 times, 354 yards, four touchdowns. Jay Knott had 279, I think, on his own in that game. Um, if Oregon replicates the North Dakota State Stanford numbers, this game is this is where this game maybe doesn't become high scoring in terms of reaching the figures that Jared's talking about, just because you could have a situation where Oregon you know, moves the ball down the field, runs a lot of clock uh, and scores that way. Um, but I think it's kind of notable that there are a couple of games they've at least stuck, stuck up a little bit. So I bring that up because I think our, our assessment here is like you're going to run for a thousand yards in this game. Um, I'm still, by the way, Bucky Irving, 100 yards will be a prediction yeah, on Friday. It's going to be it. <laughs> that'll, that, that'll be made. I will be making it for the fifth straight week, I think. But no, I, I um. I think Oregon will have success running. I don't think there's any question. It's just a little interesting looking through that and kind of dictating like, all right, well, maybe any given week they do okay against this team and that team. But I'll also say Oregon's, I think, the best run offense that this Arizona defense has faced all season. And I would be stunned if they don't get in that kind of North Dakota State Cal range of 285, 350. That feels like if they, if Oregon gets there, they're going to be in really good shape to, to win this game. Although North Dakota State got there and lost, but – that's also an FCS team that threw for 124 yards, and Oregon is certainly capable of throwing it a lot more than that. Yeah, and that's that's what I think Dan talked about that as well on, on Monday, just that the team's ability to, to do both, to run and pass effectively. And we've seen that, you know, multiple times this year. You know, against Washington State where Oregon's down, they're able to throw Bo Nix out there and have him throw 44 times to a win. And then this past week against Stanford, it's 350 plus yards on the ground, which and then included a Bo Nix 80 yarder. I it, this game is going to be closer to those Cal and or the Cal and North Dakota State numbers because yeah. Oregon's offense is you know they have almost like 11. I think it's over 13 or 1100 yards rushing this season. That's basically what Arizona has allowed this entire year. It comes out to like 220 yards a game. It's just Pretty, pretty abysmal. That should be worse in, in basically every conference except the Pac-12 where Colorado is averaging or allowing almost 300 yards per game, which is going to be – that's going to be a hell of a game to watch for Oregon too. But 
I fully expect Oregon to ground and pound this as often as they can. Um, I think it's going to look something similar to the BYU stat line where they're running the ball 47, 48 times and Nick's is throwing it 16, 18 times because that's the only reason that they have to. Um, I really Unless like they the get behind where, like they did in Washington State. Right, unless they get behind. And and if, if like Eric's saying, if, if, if Arizona's defense does come to play that game, they hold Oregon to, to four to four and a half to five yards carry, I'll be stunned. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm not predicting that, by the way. I'm just no, saying no, no. That, yeah. that was the baseline for teams they were successful against. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and but if that happens, then, yeah, obviously Nix is going to have to throw. But I think it'll be, against very similar to how they played against BYU. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play action or they're going to RPO, and they're going to take shots down the field. And that's exactly what they did against Stanford. Those deep throws didn't work. Um, in these in these stats, these game logs from – uh, from Arizona's defense, you know, they haven't been great against the pass either. You look at, you know, San Diego State had 16 pass attempts, but that's Braxton Burmeister as a quarterback who we all are familiar with how he can't really throw the football. Hey, um, boo, no, no Braxton slander. Quit, quit it, man. Come on. Oh, come on. I can't believe. All right. Well, I, I'll save that thought. Um, uh, that's an off-air thought. Colorado, 14 of 30. We all know Colorado is, is is on their third quarterback now who's a true freshman. North Dakota State didn't have to throw, but they're 10 of 12. California was 18 of 28. And then Mississippi State was 40 of 49. So Arizona's pass defense statistically on the season looks pretty good, but they've had some real stinkers of quarterbacks going out there to throw. Bo Nix is not that. The pass blocking is great. Oregon's talent at wide receiver could be a whole different story than anything they've seen this year. Um, this is going, they're good. The defense is going to have to play, frankly, like the games of their lives to, to really to upset Oregon, but it is a desert. It is the middle of October or the early beginnings of October. So it'll be, uh, I still think it'll be a close one. Oregon is the eighth best rushing team yards per play, uh, yards per carry in the conference. The closest opponent that San Diego state has played, or I can't talk my dog's barking. Arizona has played a San Diego State, who's 25th in the country. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea. This is, like Eric said, this will be by far the highest or toughest opponent from an offensive perspective that Arizona has played this season. And so that should bode well for Oregon, seeing what they've done the last couple of weeks um, against some poor rush defense opponents. Uh, and and what they were able to do there. Um, nonetheless, it's going to be interesting to see play out. I I mean I, I I got nothing else to add unless you guys do. No, I, I mean I just think it's going to be really interesting to see just kind of this matchup play out. I'm I'm actually really excited for this game. Unique unique. I think it's a unique matchup in terms of the strengths and weaknesses and just kind of who can make the most of it. And Oregon protects the ball and forces turnovers. And you get Jaden Delora turning it over. It, I think it could be – Jared says he thinks it, it should be close. I, I think it's close if Delora does a good job of protecting the football, but if he yeah. throws three picks like he did against Mississippi State or two like he did against Cal, I could see it not being very close. And we ha- we do have to mention that um, – I mean, Cal thumped him pretty good, and I think Oregon oh, yeah. significantly better than Cal. That was at, at Cal to note. But I, I, I think there's the makings of a potential blowout here. I also could say that there's also makings of – a really, really close game, just depending on how cleanly Arizona plays and, of course, how cleanly Oregon plays. Like, if both teams play an A game, I think Oregon wins pretty handily. If Oregon plays a C game and Arizona plays an A game, it might be upset watch. And if 
if Arizona plays a C game, Oregon plays an A game, it's going to be really ugly, I think. Yeah, and I think that's why it's it's kind of hard for at least now before like I dive into all like the the rewatches of how Arizona has performed. It's it's just the the glaring weaknesses of Oregon's defense are the glaring strengths of Arizona's offense, and that's what's kind of worrisome, you know, in a game like Washington State where where Oregon really physically dominated the entire way and offensively moved the ball like like no other game they have this season. They still were down, you know, double digits in the fourth quarter, and so that's that's kind of a scenario that has been has has played out in my head of how this goes. Where yeah, Oregon's able to run the ball and move it willy nilly, but they also can't stop anybody on the defensive side. But like Eric said, there's there's obviously a bunch of different scenarios. I'm just trying to think of, of you know like what is what is a probably a pessimistic viewpoint. But what is something that Oregon will need to work on in order to get into that optimistic viewpoint of that potential blowout, which is still there? I think the only way it happens is if the offense sputters and we get some Bo Nix turnovers. Um, but, or maybe red zone inefficiency like we saw at Washington State. And, or, even la- or even last week, a little red zone issue yeah, with, with the penalties. Yeah. And, you know, Arizona comes out and they're firing on all cylinders and, you know, they score, which makes Oregon one-dimensional. I, I think that's probably one of the biggest keys for Oregon this week is, you know, don't become one-dimensional in this game unless it's running the football because you're up, you know, you're up. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back uh, on Thursday with another edition, we'll have Jason Shear on, uh, our Arizona writer for 24-7 Sports. He'll give us the inside scoop on the Wildcats. And then on Friday, we'll be back, all three of us, for our prediction show here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.